Hello and welcome to Requires Improvement, a podcast aiming to critically discuss all aspects of the current UK education system from an unashamedly left-wing perspective. What's going well and what really requires improvement? Well, that's what our normal podcast would be about, but we are in uh, unprecedented times. Um, This is our first uh, episode from quarantine um so i'm joined by all of the uh, founding members of the podcast and we're using skype from our respective living rooms so uh my name's nick uh i'm also joined by anu hello and tom hello and lee hello and lauren hello and charlie hey hi um and yeah we're uh, school's out for easter and possibly summer and possibly September and October up to we really we really don't know at this stage um things are changing so fast and it's been quite a weird last couple of weeks in schools um it's going to be a very weird few weeks going forwards um so we're just going to try and um uh, discuss and talk about what has been happening and try to also be positive and think about going forward what this means for education and try and wrestle um, something good from what is undoubtedly a terrible situation that's going to affect people in a really, really horrible way. Um, so um, I'll put this out to the hosts. What was, does anyone want to talk about what the build up um, was like to these events? So not, not the last week we've just had, but the kind of like, what was it like in your schools over the last month or so with regards to coronavirus? Um, yeah, I'll talk about that um, if I can kick off. Um, I was quite aware of coronavirus relatively re- early on because I was travelling over um, the half term through um, um, in Southeast Asia. So I was quite um, in for a country with um, a big outbreak of coronavirus. So I was kind of a dimly, I was became increasingly aware of it and kind of went through a lot of paranoia about travelling briefly through that area, um, and then kind of promptly came back to work, fell back into a work cycle, and it was in the back of my mind. Really, no one really talked about it. Um, then had a weekend a normal weekend i was with some of the comrades here i was with lee at a union event on saturday then on sunday i went into a supermarket and felt incredibly unnerved and nervous and it was a very very unpleasant experience i've never seen shelves two-thirds empty before in a supermarket um yep then it was work and i made it about two days into work before someone in my household had some symptoms and i ran off on on wednesday morning i believe i left work um and it was kind of people were drifting in and out like every every the cover list was being updated hour by hour i was sending kids out of my class who were kind of hacking into their elbows so it was a very surreal very unpleasant uh, couple of days at work really and i'd say definitely some of the worst worst experiences i've had in education and i didn't make it through the entirety of the week so maybe some people who did make it all the way to friday could talk about that yeah thanks tom anyone anyone else yeah i want to say same uh, similar thing obviously because i was there the whole way through and um basically the the sat like one of the things that stood out for me the most was year 11 um obviously i don't have year 13 at my school but just having to sort of all of a sudden just like monday seemed really normal in a way just like oh there's this thing we're still kind of dealing with it normally and then by the time we got to friday I mean, it was fucking, it was mad. Like I only had two year groups in and just trying to make things as nice as possible for year 11s, like putting together a leaves assembly and, you know, 
it was really really emotional and really like the kids you could tell they were starting to get increasingly terrified as the week went on you know we're quarantining kids we're literally you know taking kids out of lessons taking their temperature getting them to the car their parents aren't allowed in the building you know really kind of it just went from being like school to then being this like frontline sort of I mean we must have sent about 70 kids home at least like do you know what I mean? I mean, I'm sure they are not all got it, but it's not the point. It's just, it became really, really apparent quite quickly how serious it was. And I think, well, to the kids anyway. So yeah, that was, it was a very surreal week. I did genuinely feel like, like I was waking, like waiting to wake up all week. Yeah. Every day was completely different um, last week as well, wasn't it? Like the government guidance was so vague. No one really knew what was going on. Um, I was trying to tell people to just not not come into work if they were kind of vaguely unsure of whether they should or not. Um, there were still a lot of people with underlying conditions that were still coming to work because they thought they had to. Um, the, our union wasn't being as vocal about closing the schools as I felt they could have been. I don't know how anyone else felt about that. I felt like from a couple of weeks ago, we should have been saying school closed. Look, when Ireland closed the schools... I think we should have been saying it then because it was pretty clear. Do you think that to a degree that was literally because it's so hard to determine whether or not other other countries' reactions, other countries' uh, yeah choices are based on the science, based on their situation being worse than ours or whether it's just, you know, choosing to respond differently? Like, I, I yeah... Yeah, no, but but like everyone's feeling oh how yeah to I, I totally agree the union probably should have um done things sooner, but you can you can definitely feel like everyone's so out of their depth. Then that you know, the union doesn't have um medical like people to advise on these things and so to know to know anything that anyone else doesn't know is yeah, I don't know. True, but the government's rationale for like keeping schools open was they were still going on trying to encourage herd immunity. So they kept the schools open because kids are super spreaders. So the idea was the kids are going to um, lick the handrails, um, ref- you know, eat a packet of crisps on the toilet, that kind of disgusting stuff that the kids do anyway. So I, re- I remember in the last week I was like, now guys, remember to wash your hands. And I could hear this like rustling noise in the kid's like pocket and he's eating it. He's finished a bag of crisps before he's even got out of the door. It's like, there's literally no way you can make them be clean. That They are dirty. And the government was saying that they were saying that like, that's good. We want everyone to get it. We want the kids to get it. And that's when the union should have been like, absolutely not absolutely not to use children like this no way this isn't safe look at what the other countries have done um we do know the science it is obvious and the schools should have been closed beforehand whereas what was happening is it's the same as the rest of the government response the government has not wanted to act because they're trying to prop up a dead system they don't want to admit that the state can intervene but then events have got beyond them and they've had to react later like the fact is when you go to a cover board and there's 25 teachers out how can you tell the school to stay open when you've got kids like when panic builds every day because no one knows what is going on when there's no leadership um, from from the national picture? How you can't keep the schools open? So they were their hand was forced by like ordinary people. And I think if the union had kind of been a little bit 
more ahead of the curve in that way that would have been, it still sounds like we did the right thing and this, we've been pushing for for leadership to do the right thing and i've not heard of that many horror stories of schools like insisting on staying open and and, and things like that but I, I don't know the way this plays out in the future i think they're going to look back and they're going to say um oh everyone was dithering everyone was dithering over it so you can't blame the government it's like no they yeah, I don't leave. Yeah, right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I was, I was say, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There was loads of dithering. I just, yeah, I feel like, uh, yeah, I feel like yeah, people were out of their depth, but like they didn't make an excessive effort to, you know, wade out of that and get clued up really quickly because the information was that you've got to, as a union, you've got to speak out. You've got to speak out with like, um, you know, as a position of you know authority, knowing knowing the facts, and I. Yeah, I feel like they almost took their time to make sure they collected it all and go, yeah, 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 all right. These these other countries have closed for entirely valid reasons and these are entirely valid reasons for us to close as well. I just think they took ages to even get that information. I think they yeah, knew. But it felt like chaos, though. It felt like it was falling apart and it just didn't It didn't need to be like that. I don't know, Lee, what was your school like in the last week? Well, I mean, the earliest sign that I had in my professional experience that this was going south was when um, about three weeks ago, there's a student who got sort of taken out of class in very mysterious circumstances. And we later found out it's because they'd been on a skiing holiday to Italy and like the family were advised to self-isolate as a precaution. But then there was like nothing because this was three weeks ago. And then the other events that you guys have been describing have been uh, have sort of kicked in. I mean, I, I myself um, was feeling in- increasingly uh, nervous about going to work. You know, we were getting sent copies of the vague guidance from the government every day. Uh, but really, yeah, I, I have to echo what everyone else has been saying. Um, and I, I really got to lay the blame at the government here. It, it felt shambolic. It felt like we were out of step with certainly our neighbours. Uh, as soon as, you know, France and Ireland shut their schools, you know, why were we so behind on that? You know, like every day it, you could count in lives and we're about to see that manifested in the, you know, the exponential rate of cases in this country. And yeah, unfortunately, at that point, you had all the panic buying and stuff like that as well. Um, really upsetting week. Um, you know, a week where your heart went out to the children, particularly my year 13s, because uh, like, they're building up to the biggest exams of their lives and they've kind of had the rug pulled from underneath them. And I've sort of had to tell them that they probably want to protect themselves by still finishing their coursework. But I don't even know if that was correct advice to give them because it might just be that I fill in a form with their what grade I think they should get. Um, but I, I did sort of uh, reflect on it as I was advising them about whether or not they should continue studying. Uh, I just, I just, I mean, and things are still very unclear, but I talked about the deep state of education. I talked about the armies of people in uh, the DFE, off-qual, and the exam boards. I I just can't imagine them making this a particularly easy thing for the kids. I mean, who knows? I might be wrong. It might just be a case of me filling out a form to decide what grades the kids get, but... Yeah. If I could speak on as well, um, just a bit about, like, what my week was like which it was basically nothing by comparison. Um, because I chose not to go in from Monday, I was, obviously I'm a spy teacher, so I was booked for two different schools. Um, one of them... I hadn't been to more than once. 
for Monday, Tuesday, and then Wednesday, Thursday, we're supposed to go to this one school. I work every Wednesday and Thursday. Um, so, yeah, I chose not to go in for the first two days. I thought I'd play it by ear because I had a cold. And I, I've been sneezing a lot. And, like, I could or could not be a carrier. Maybe I've got coronavirus. So I don't even know about it. I'm not showing any symptoms of it. Um, but it's like, it's not worth it for the first two days. So it goes. And then um, when it came to, like, working at my school that I work in every week, I was like, no, I won't do that either. Because basically, yeah, the cold and also because uh, my partner's got... Uh, asthma quite severely and it's if, if we just talked about it a lot and it just wasn't worth the risk um so i really don't know what it's been like at schools this week but the week before that there really was a shift from um from like the week before in the way everyone was talking about it like it became something that was like oh a little bit mentioned a little bit it'll be fine a little bit like everyone just saying a few random tidbits they'd heard on facebook or something not actually the news and then suddenly it being something everyone's like washing their hands severely and all this and it yeah it shifted quite a bit and it was interesting to see but i do sort of wonder what it's like you know if i'm not there covering like yeah what's my school they're not going to tell me um have they struggled for cover and if they've had to make other measures I guess I'll find that out if I end up um, going back there which I could talk about a bit later my thinking on that um but the other thing I'm thinking about I've only heard like inklings of um in the media and stuff in fact not maybe in the media maybe more on Facebook um is people talking about year six children um I think yeah actually yeah that's where I heard it from two of my friends who work in year six uh, classes um, have talked about like sometime over last week when the school, which, whichever day they closed, the sort of realization that they're not going to open again on Monday. Um, these these children who are obviously preparing for their SATs, but as opposed to you know year year thirteen, where you can imagine, I, I can't see a world where they wouldn't like if they don't do the test, they're going to give them another go. Year six SATs. I mean, we all know. We've talked about this before. Year six arts are stupid and pointless anyway. And so if we don't do them, then we won't do them. I don't see why children would be because start as year seven age and um and suddenly you go, right, yeah, we're going to throw these sats at you, even though you've had no prep because, you mm-hmm. know, the school's been closed since um, March and now, you know, past through September and now we're opening um, again and you're, and you're in secondary school. So what, what's going to happen like I was thinking oh yeah maybe they'll have a little party day but that's not what the kids were expecting they were expecting tests obviously that's bad but they were also expecting to spend the next three months with their friends and get to grips with the fact that they're moving on to secondary school and then there's been no talk about what's going to happen with that because that's psychologically apart from anything else it's really damaging anyway I know that's a bit of a thought separate from what you guys are thinking you're not, you're not primary school students but what do you think about that because you'll have your sevens potentially who were so shocked and shell-shocked by that yeah well i mean um it's interesting because i've um and there's, there's a few other teachers in the young uh, educator network um, nearby who we've been teaching just long enough now that our first year seven tutor groups were year 11s so i've had a tutor group since year seven in the same school um for five years now i've watched them grow up um got really good relationships with them and then, boom, that's what, you know, I was dreading, I was dreading, you know, for like the last couple of years, I've been thinking about what I'm going to say when, you know, in my, my, my last meeting with them, you know, there's going to be shirt signing, going to go to prom, all this stuff, you know, like what's going to be my final goodbye with some of these kids that I've kind of grown to love, to be honest, um, over this time. Um, 
and yeah that's just evaporated and then it's going to be weird because then the year 11 tutors who've lost a tutor group like that really abruptly will possibly inherit these year sixes into year seven who like you're saying charlie they've got all this kind of weird confusion but also they're going to have missed out on transition which um i don't know if people remember this from when they were young or if it happened when people were young but um in the summer term quite a lot of stuff is done to prepare year sixes for secondary school um they go into secondary schools they have a couple of days they meet their tutor they get ready you know going from a, a school of um 30 kids per year group to um a school that could be up to like nine times that size um is a big jump and they need that work and again you're going to have these very shell-shocked kids who've possibly missed out on quite a lot of education in september and um yeah i mean that's something that we're gonna to have to hammer out and and work out going forward um ditto with year 11s like they, they've just about worked out probably what they're going to do uh in september but some of them haven't some of them haven't worked out apprenticeships or haven't made full decisions on um uh their college placements or sixth forms and subjects and things like that um the disruption is is crazy but if closing the schools a week earlier would have saved like one life it's completely worth it that's the thing like the the fact that the government couldn't see that this was absolutely inevitable well sorry the virus is smashing into us like a tidal wave but f- for us to kind of dither like that was was changeable um oh, yeah yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that uh, yet at all that like close close schools later because then the year sixes get a little bit more like you know it had to happen. Mm. It's just that I think it'd be really nice like for there to be a proper plan yeah. that we can that we can stay that's going to happen statewide or that for everyone. Yeah, are we going to make sure that there's, I don't know, an extra month where you're going to go back and forth and back and forth between the primary schools and just mm. we'll have to all cope with that? Or, and yeah, and same with, with year 11 as well. And some sort I've, of, yeah, completely different. I think even even if everything's sorted by September, hypothetically, which probably won't be, but we need to, yeah, have an idea about what it's going to look like well in advance, not for us as adults because we'll cope but yeah for the for the children go on tom i think to to build on that point i feel firstly um school should have been shut as soon as possible i think it was entirely an economic decision with a gdp in mind and i think it reflects really i thought as a teacher as an educator as an education worker whatever you want to call me uh completely dehumanized i think there was little recognition that you're talking about there are many people who work in schools who have underlying health conditions they have people at home their partners um, housemates children with underlying health conditions and it's kind of expectation from the government that we will be there to be a sticking plaster over a crisis they've not really um, considered or thought about or planned or prepared for was incredibly insulting i felt and in terms of kind of the damage that it will be done um to students it's going to be as it always is it's going to be class-based i think for many students they will be resilient enough. They will have that family support. They will be having discussions with their, with families at home. They will get over it. I think with a lot of kids and the way education is focused at the moment, there'll be a lot of kids where this will have long-lasting, maybe life-limiting life damage, the gaps in their education. I'm thinking about my students at the moment. Um, this, the way my school's set up, rightly or wrongly, is based on a large degree of presenteeism, me in front of the kids, holding their hands, guiding them to get them grades. I do it because I think it is important to send them out into the world with some grades. And whatever that's going to look like now, I mean, we just had mock exams 
am so at least thankfully when it's they come to judge and rate me and rank me or whatever I have some up-to-date data to kind of bring to that and to help the kids get the grades they need but you know what it's going to be like there'll be some kids there who didn't really take their mock seriously didn't particularly revise I would have worked on them over the next couple of months I would have got them to where they needed to be um but yeah that's gone out the window but then I suppose to go back to your point Nick that is secondary to lives that will be lost and I think there will be immeasurable amounts of lives that will be lost because of the result of this decision and it was pretty disgraceful and I think we'll come to this discussion later about what will happen next when we do make it through this crisis what do we as a profession as trade unionists what are we going to do to make sure one nothing like this never happens again and two we can roll back on this entire system that has led to this point thanks Tom yeah it's, it's sort of worth mentioning oh, sorry go on Lauren no I was just saying like um and having, I know someone very well who, well, a couple of people that work on the front line um, for the NHS. So they're literally dealing with this as we speak. And the stark warnings were there already, like last weekend when I was talking to them. They're like, yeah, so my ward's now a bit of a coronavirus ward. And by the way, like we've got 30 beds and 20 of them are filled like already. I mean, this was a week ago. You know, I mean, this is in South London, so obviously London's had a particularly hard time of it at the moment. But yeah, it's um, that's you know, th- this should have been done sooner. You look at our figures and you look at Italy's, and it's just it's just stupid. It's, it's that has been allowed to happen. Like, I think, it's, I think it's worth bearing in mind as well that it's not just old people. Like, um, as a teacher, you kind of you know all the medical conditions of all the kids uh, in your classes. Like you're you're made very aware if there's a kid who's diabetic, uh, if there's a kid who has like heart conditions, things like that. So you're very aware. And I, you know, when I'm not managing to take my mind off it at home by doing a bit of gardening or taking back up playing computer games or whatever, um, I will think of these kids who I know are vulnerable, and I'll think, fuck, will they have got, will they have touched a handrail? at school because they were in uh, on my last day in school on um, Tuesday last week um, I had to remind a kid in my tutor group like, she just turned to her mate and said I've got underlying health conditions and I was like yeah you do, why are you here and luckily she did go home later that day but that wasn't being communicated that wasn't being communicated from um, from school management at that point to the kids um, wasn't being communicated by the government Um so I'm just te- I'm I'm terrified about going back in September and and knowing um, who's going to be uh, who's going to be hit by this. Um, can I now just turn to talking about um, what schools are going to be like? Because pe- people might have people who listen to this who aren't in education, um, they might sort of want to know what is actually happening. There's you know various little bits of dribbed and drabbed out, um, much in, in the way that like NHS workers. Uh, all the posties and stuff you know crisis happens here are these people who are not motivated by money in their jobs guess what they step up in the crisis and they want to do the right thing um same with teachers like teachers kind of understand the school's got to close but again loads of teachers want to step up and be involved and be part of the solution loads of people volunteering um even before schools officially closing before the plans were made out to like still come in distribute free school meals and run um and run schools on a skeleton kind of crew um i don't know what people are people going in over the next to so the next two weeks of the easter holidays are any of you lot um rotated to go in or how's it going to work in your schools 
Um, potentially. So how it's working in my school, I work in a secondary school. Um, obviously, it's, everything's got to be deep cleaned. So they, it made more sense for them to completely shut the building. So I went in um, yesterday and grabbed some bits. Um, and then that's it. The building's closed. So we're sending our students and students from a couple other primary schools to a local primary school. So it's going to be our hub. Um, and it's going to kind of be, um, I think, minimum like about one to 15 ratio of teacher to people so we're on a road system um so it's not that many staff in each day um we don't know well what from what i've seen in the rotor um i reckon there's about eight members of staff including like the lead in every day so that implies what um so yeah probably 100 and something kids like I, I mean i don't know that's the thing i i don't know any of this so literally all i know is that i've set two weeks worth of work for the particular year group that i'm looking after to deal with i've got to be by the computer to make sure that i'm responding to emails um and you know doing what i can in that that regard um, working on some stuff for the department as well we've had been given stuff to do um and then yeah i'll wait till we get the rotor and i see when i'm in um but again there's just so much we don't know at the moment, my, like what's... my school's a pretty big secondary school, so about 1,750 um, kids. And I think on Friday there were six kids in, or and then Monday there might only be, I don't think there's going to be a whole class's worth um, because loads of kids have to get buses in. Yeah, loads of kids have to get buses in. We've got like a very high EHCP, so lots of kids with special educational needs and statements. Um, and they're kind of being advised to go in to school if they if they need it. But I think most, most in our in our school community at least, it seems um, kids aren't necessarily coming in. Uh, Tom and Lee, what are your what are your schools going to be like over the next two weeks? <clears throat> uh, well, my school was um, was quite proactive talking about how it, how the wheels very quickly did fall off. It was Friday. It was kind of first mentioned COVID-19 in the briefing, but by the Monday, our school leadership and the multi-academy trust had a plan in place. They're using Google Classrooms, um, which we can obviously access remotely and set work from there. And they did quite a big logistical job on printing off resources and things and packs to give to kids and to drop off at the houses of kids who'd been off. Um, so the kids have got some education. I think I'm very anxious about what we're going to do in the gap to keep the kids on track, to keep them to keep them educated, really, uh, during this big gap. So what I'm interested to see is on Monday when I do log into Google Classrooms, I'm expected to interact, engage with kids, be available to email. I'm interested to see I would say how many kids there are who are going to actively engage in that and what is what is going to be done how do you manage behavior remotely if a kid's not going to respond to your email or do the quiz that you've set through google classrooms what exactly is going to be the sanction with that but that's going to be an interesting logistical challenge I mean uh, I I really am struggling to imagine how unless there is buy-in from the family I don't see how this uh, online learning, especially during a state of emergency, is is going to really connect with people's lives. I mean, speaking from my, well, what's happening at my school is that we, I'm afraid, we, we we've got our virtual learning environment, which is just a basic web page where you can uh, access like a, a hard drive of resources, and we've set sort of uh, homework style research project plans for the next two weeks. But beyond that, I, I, without some serious technological investment, um, 
it would have been nice to have almost done a, like a, a, a rehearsal for what online learning looks like that you could then feed back on, you know, in the classroom. Like, I just don't think um, without kids having an experience of this prior, you're, you're going to get really low percentages of kids who even log on. That's just my cynicism here. Um, bit of controversy at my school in that uh, all the staff who were not yet self-isolating uh, are actually required in on Monday and Tuesday. That is ridiculous. It is. It is being. It's being challenged by all unions involved. Uh, obviously, even even the uh, even the head teachers' unions are coming out against this. Uh, obviously, I can't say too much, but yeah, that that's. I think the school. The only defence on part of the school management is that they they can't gauge what demand there is for this key worker placement stuff. Um, well, they just get the parents to email in. Then it's not well, it's not rocket science. No, you're absolutely right. But they've been desperately trying to survey the parents. And again, in a state of emergency, people just aren't as available or ready to communicate in that way, especially when it's all done digitally. Um, we'll see how this shakes out, but um, like I say, I'm, I'm concerned that not just in my school, and, and I hear more of this coming out of the primary schools, that there is a, still a very com- command and control instinct upon the part of management that I don't think fully takes account of the seriousness of the situation, the risk to people's lives, and, and whether or not school management can affect the situation to any large degree you know as as we're as as one of you said you know we're about to hit the wave of this it's we're we're about to get into the real tragic stuff you know in the next over the next month i just don't know and, and and that's one of my concerns about the students as well aside from the ones who obviously have EHCPs or medical conditions, I think there's going to be a real uh, ugly bruise on the mental health of this generation. Uh, There's a lot of kids who are just dreading being stuck at home. They're going to miss their friends. They're going to miss their teachers. and, And I don't see how a lot of students, if they do become isolated you know mentally i don't know how ready they are going to going to be to engage in remote learning so many questions i i just find this a really bizarre thing that this is expectation i suppose that um we have to respond just continuing the same old thing with like the same teaching that we've been doing all the way along uh, I think everything needs to change based on yeah in, yeah I absolutely keep teaching um, but it shouldn't be schooling anymore it should be more pure education you know in that sense that people so much don't know the difference between the two like schooling is, is sort of this system that we come to see as the only form of education that's possible but what can we do outside of that like so to clarify to talk about my position as well. Um, I've been offered that once I've done my 14 day quarantine, you know, when I said I um, have a cold, it's not coronavirus, but I have a cold. So I'm 14 days and definitely not going to work at my school. Um, but when I come back, there is a potential job for me, even through the holidays of working the same old two days a week, um, just looking after the children. But if I get told, cause I'm a supply teacher, so I could get told to do absolutely anything that I've got to still do, um, you know, start the morning something instead of an assembly because they probably wouldn't be an assembly but maybe they'd be an assembly and then do the maths and then do a a bit of guided reading and then do break and then do um english after that like that's that's insane to me like 
that's not what I would recommend to anyone working at home. That's not why I think that um, secondary school teachers to be doing, you know, in their own way um, from home. It should be something really different. I think this is an opportunity for us, I guess, to maybe do a sort of some version of um, what it used to be, but then also think how else can we support children? What what other things could they do instead? Could we just recommend, I don't know, yoga videos or I mean that sounds really pathetic but no but it's anything like not not one thing that everyone's prescribed to do but just like hey have you considered using your day to be to learn more about like what you like and who you are it could be yoga it could be like um you know whatever space you have in your room looking how to do like keep you up with a football or like properly like learning skills outside of just this tedious schooling and looking more towards a broader sense of education so yeah that's kind of what kevin courtney was um, advocating for actually and we'll talk a bit more about the opportunities for curriculum um going forward i just want to bring anu in here because she's um been trying to get in <laughs> um well yeah i mean i work in a a prison so i'm employed by an um fe college so it's very di- very different circumstances to the primary and secondary um schools that we've been talking about um uh but i mean the situation is much the same in in that like um tom tom was talking about the sort of presenteeism and the feeling from teachers that they have to be in uh in order to deliver things that um and they don't want to put the burden on other teachers and that's something that even at risk teachers are kind of finding themselves compelled to do i think that's partly because the paying conditions are so much worse in fe so we um we don't you know we don't get sort of like automatic sick um pay or we don't get paid through holidays etc um so already I think the jobs in FE are more precarious um uh there's a lot there's a lot to talk about really so I wasn't I you know I didn't really want to come in on this because I think it's valuable to talk about um schools and mainstream education but um there are a few things that I think a a few things that are very similar so like I said that situation with teachers feeling that they need to go in and actually not clearly being told that they're they shouldn't come in um we have also a huge issue with cleaning in the prison um so similar to to Lee's situation in his school um but I think the situation in prisons has been um it is worsened because it's so fragmented I, I genuinely don't know who owns what in the prison and who who owns what contract. So we don't have any sort of in-house or outsourced cleaners as far as I can see. Um, apparently, sort of like a big tender went out in 2013 that Serco and G4S jumped on. And then at some point, Carillion took it over and there was a huge scandal about how they, about their sort of dire maintenance of prisons in public prisons in the UK um, and and I mean the the truth of that is in my experience is that we've not had our building we don't have our building cleaned regularly you know it's not even a situation of it being not cleaned every day it's not being cleaned weekly um, and there's no there's 
there's been no real change as far as I can as far as I know um, potentially there was a deep clean one day of the week and then nothing for a couple of days so it's um yeah it's quite difficult in the prison to to actually justify if you're thinking about the whole picture to actually justify going in even if you're not at risk because the place isn't clean how do so, the prisoners feel in this situation um so um i'm a bit i'm in the same position as charlie in that i haven't been in in the last week um but i i imagine i mean prisoners they're they're very prone a lot of them to like conspiracy theory and paranoia partly because uh, you know rightly so they're paranoid because no one no one cares about them and they know it um they're also in this kind of very enclosed environment where they feed off each other. They only get certain, you know, media channels available to them, etc. Um, but a lot of them, I think, are, are going to be terrified. Um, and a lot of them know that potentially people are going to die, you know, in very close proximity to them. And that's either because they're old and poorly or because they're so mentally ill you know if if they decide to take their own life there's not really going to be the healthcare provision there to like uh, deal with that kind of potent potential for uh, for risk um and a lot of them yeah they just you know they know that no one really cares about them um in terms of education i guess the consequences for our prisoners aren't as bad in terms of like missing out because we deliver functional skills on a four-week rotor um and if they don't get the functional skill level that they studied for for four weeks they can try it again but that's not the picture that we are being told as lecturers we're being told that we can't work from home because we couldn't possibly do that it's not it's not possible as a teacher to work from home so and we have to be in in order to to ensure that the prison regime is as normal as possible um so yeah i mean there's so much i could say on this that's just a really brief picture of what it's like in the prison cool um so we've talked can i ask sorry to interrupt can i ask are the prisons are they being cleaned now is that something that has kicked in this week at all is it still literally the same situation have they have you and have them been hung out to dry entirely or is there even some sort of so the, the the week prior to the the week just gone the week that i was in um we had more kind of essentially we into so i i work in a separate building i don't work on the wings i work in an education building that's on the site we were given a lot of cleaning products and lots of hand soap and hand sanitizer um and that was that was the extent of it we did have a meeting with the governor who said that they would step up cleaning on the wings but most of the cleaning on the prisons happens because the prisoners do it so it's prison labor that cleans cleans our buildings primarily so um but but a lot of the prisoners um they understand that they shouldn't be doing some of that cleaning because they don't have the the uh, protective um equipment that they're meant to be wearing in order to do deep cleans so a lot of them refuse quite rightly so because they're not protected to do it so and in terms of my building yeah um teachers are cleaning communal areas and it's always been the it's always been the case you know we hoover our rooms we clean our surfaces you know even the staff toilets um if we don't do it it's it's rare that someone will so it's it's 
it's a bit of a public health kind of um i would say scandal yeah um but i think it's an i kind of think it's a scandal that that no one really you know that it's, it's a well-known scandal there's that hey the the prison in liverpool that had that you know disgusting report Walton. a couple of is it a couple of years ago walton yeah yeah um, jail. you know and I, I've, I've been trawling through old articles about that and they've shown pictures of their the grounds and the litter and the dirt and it's basically what my prison looks like you know nothing's nothing's that different so um and unfortunately a lot of the staff are so institutionalized um and and the teaching staff in particular they aren't because they're so fragmented they're not necessarily part of a union um they just sort of like uh, they're in that mindset that you know we're all a team and we've all got to do our bit so yeah it's um not not fun at the moment so um we have taught hopefully we've um outlined some of the issues um in the state of education at the moment um now what i want to look at and talk about is the opportunities i don't mean this as in like <clears throat> the opportunities of feasting off a dead carcass uh, what i mean is um this is a crisis <laughs> this is a huge crisis and it has laid bare the inequalities at the root of society uh it has laid bare um a lot of the hypocrisy and lies from the establishment um re uh, education and care and how much people are valued for their jobs and things like that so um let's just talk about now like schools going forward like we may never get an opportunity like this again and i don't mean that in a uh it's sort of difficult isn't it i'm, try I'm trying to be positive about it whilst not trying to kind of lighten the tone um you know it, it's naive to just think oh it's going to be like 1945 all over again but i genuinely can't think of a an event in british history that is as seismic as this i can't, I can't see it um but the point is like what demands do we need to make going forward this this could last a year this could last a year things don't go back to normal ever again or even in terms of like school routine this could last a year coming out the other side of it and like during it what do we need to be asking for what do we need to be highlighting and saying look this cannot go on anymore what what has changed what can we be pushing for oh i can i was gonna say i'll i'll jump in really quickly and say like from a prisoner's a prison education perspective um essentially what i i teach like if you imagine a class of students that ha that have no access to the internet or computers or whatever so so any sort of like homeworking for them is almost impossible even though we have a multi-million pound new um education suite on the on the, on the site of the prison so i think for me one of the things that they need to do is increase the um and obviously there are security issues and um you know they need to be to be um taken kind of care of but i think having some degree of access to um a virtual campus or something for the prisoners so that they can have a more meaningful education would just be be brilliant for them and it is possible other prisoners do it um it's just the one that i'm in seems to be several kind of years behind any other in terms of um meet giving the prisoners a meaningful kind of deal um and possibly kind of 
I mean, changing the, the nature of, of the courses that they deliver as well, because they're just uninspiring. Um, and, and it's just, you know, sort of delivery of something that they've got to regurgitate literally for the exam. So I think, yeah, changing the way that you see, see students who have, don't have GCSEs is going to be and, and the kind of education provision you have for them needs to be really looked at great um yeah I was just going to say talking kind of in um bigger picture here I think as teachers as a public sector as trade unionists I think if we don't respond to this crisis really strongly and frankly I think if we let them get away with it then we are mugs and frankly we deserve everything that is coming our way I've picked up a book um, that I think about periodically it's called And the Sun Shines Now by Adrian Tempany, and it's about the Hillsborough disaster. I mean, I was thinking about it a couple of years ago when Grenfell happened, and um, just looking through now, it makes the point that between 1966 and 1979, so I'm reading from the book here, there had been five disasters in the UK with a death toll greater than 30. Between 1985 and 89 alone, there were 10. So we're talking Hillsborough, the King's Cross fire, the Piper Alpha oil rig in the North Sea explosion. Um, I think what we need to keep in mind is that this is a man-made crisis. This is a Tory-made crisis. This is a crisis 40 years in the making. And they make reference here to the disease that is referred to as the disease of sloppiness, of malaise, of not caring. And I think Anu's experience in prison is quite literally an example of the disease of sloppiness. It's like no one's bothering to clean these people because these people are not human, these people are scum. Um, and this is something we have to kind of roll back on in its entirety. So I talked earlier about feeling dehumanised as a teacher. It's like, well, for point one, we need a massive pay rise. We need a massive change in our conditions. I think if we don't, I think we have to respond to it really strongly. We have to respond to this crisis in a way where we make massive significant gains as a profession as trade unions as a public sector as a class really and i think anything less than that then we've been asking for it really and we've got it coming because we let them do this to us um sorry i think i've gone slightly big picture there but yeah i'll let you discuss that oh we're all about the big picture uh charlie, charlie. yeah so what i was gonna say is that yeah when it comes to yeah, what what I can tangibly say, I know that we're going to learn, or that I know I can do. I, honestly, I don't know anything uh, because I don't know what's going to happen if. And I say if, yeah, I can't, I can't remember if I've completely outlined it, but basically, I've been offered the opportunity to go back into my school, but I don't know if I can take that um, opportunity at all. And if I don't take it, it means I get no pay for an indefinite amount of time. The moment I say no, I can't really go back on that saying no, which is why I haven't said no yet. Um, but the reason I might say no is because my partner having really um, severe asthma is that if I deem, like if we as a you know pair deem um, the school to be too much of a risk for him, then I won't go in. But if I do go in, and, and genuinely, I'm, I'm really not sure yet, but if I do go into school, into a primary school, where, quite frankly, yeah, I just feel like everything should be on pause, I'm hoping that if I'm looking after some children, I'll get, you know, maybe some advice, like, here's some things you could do, but also I'm hoping I'll get some remit. Nobody's contacted me to give me a like, you know, to go, all right, I could say here's the things I'd love, love to teach you because I'm really good at teaching them. Um, but also if none of these things appeal to you, if, you, if um, I'd like to know what you want to learn, 
And basically what I'm saying with that, like in a broader sense is if any teachers, and I know that some of them won't be given this opportunity, even if they are to go back in schools, if any teachers are given the opportunity to kind of have a broader outlook on education, to teach things that they were never allowed to teach before because your group is smaller, because times are weird and tough and it makes no sense to be suddenly, you know, trying to learn column method or whatever, like rigorously, when actually it would be more more interesting to learn like what what's outside or you know anything like that. <laughs> we'll need to reteach what outside is. It's going to be like Fallout, um, the game. Yeah, but, uh, but if, yeah. if we're not if we're not if we're given that opportunity and we don't take it, then I really think that we should question what we're doing as teachers. If I end up deciding to i'm gonna work these these days and i'll say it's two days out of five so even the best case scenario for me as a spy teacher and i should mention that lots of spy teachers are not given this opportunity so they're going from um some pay to no pay like a pay they can live on to no pay like they're having to go on universal credit i'm at the moment thinking that yeah if i can get that then you know the 200 pounds because basically pay that yeah 100 pounds well for tax um 100 pounds a day that's just about reasonable in my situation for some people it's not yeah but if if i can get that then that'd be great but yeah like will i be allowed to do whatever i want that makes sense to me fucking how it's primary school but maybe they'll say something different so i guess to summarize an opportunity i see is take what you can get if you've ever thought that you could be more creative with your teaching and you get any chance to be you've, you've got to take it cool uh lee go for it yeah i mean i, I really think uh charlie's but you know uh, inviting people to take a bit of ownership back over our professional practice but i think that extends outside the classroom even more resonantly i mean People, as it dawns on them, and I think it's still dawning on us about how much in the firing line they have been placed by this government, I think there's going to be justifiable anger that the situation was managed in this way, especially when uh, the death count starts to escalate, as as I fear it's about to. Um, we're on the same trajectory as countries where it's going very badly. Um that anger needs to be channeled. And I think this is where the union has to play a key role. Um, Teachers, NHS staff, council workers, social workers, the caring professions, we are the sectors that keep this country barely functional. And for us to have been on the receiving end of the policies and the funding that we've had for the last 15 years, well, I'll leave out the funding, call it 10 years, right? But just the ideological framework in which we are supposed to dedicate our lives must be broken down. It must be interrogated. And I think for the first time ever, we'll have enough angry professionals to do it. And so I think we need to address the negative. We need to tell people that they're right to feel betrayed. They're right to feel that this system has been exposed to, 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 to simply not be prepared to withstand a crisis. And it's going to, you know, as Tom was saying earlier, it's going to leave some of our most vulnerable and, and you know, uh, kids for whom they're going to be reacquainted with their class interests. I mean, and I'll say this point more widely, um, because of the scale of this event and how it's touching everyone's lives, 
um, I think people are, as adults, uh, becoming reacquainted with, with, with their class status. And uh, we, we need to validate people's anger and people's fear, but and also promote the alternative. If teacher assessment is going to be good enough in a crisis, why is it such a small part of these kids' futures? Why is millions, tens of millions, well, probably billions when you add it all up, the examination system, why is that money not flipped around and put into a decent, uh, you know, uh, state-run education online portal that, you know, offers the people the chance to do GCSEs from anywhere? Or why is there, you know, such a threadbare system of social care workers? This is this this crisis is massive. The questions emanating out of it are massive, and I, I agree with everyone who's been suggesting that the unions have to play a pivotal role in this. Uh, I'll stop ranting now and re- hand back over to the chair. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you're completely right. I think it's been difficult since the election. Remember that it wasn't even that long ago, was it? Where I remember nothing. Yeah, <laughs> where we, we were sort of we were ground down into the dirt, made to feel like we were wrong that we were stupid about everything and we were naive and dumb but look at it in the last week we were right we were right that there is enough money for something if you decide to spend money on it there just is we knew that all along we've been saying it for fucking ages they could have been spending money on education going forward it's going to be really hard for them to say there's no more money that it's it, they might argue in a different way that's fine but it it's a lot harder like certain routes of their uh, arguing has been closed off there and um, another thing exams as lee was saying yeah why the fuck have we changed our exam system so that kids have put absolutely everything on the end of a two-year uh, learning process cutting out coursework cutting out modular exams it's ridiculous it's utterly ridiculous and then from so quickly going to be like oh yeah maybe teacher assessment's okay actually it's like we've been saying that for years and you've called us stupid the whole time um, yeah, and corrupt the, the the supposition that we wouldn't do yeah. it properly we'd game the system somehow sorry yeah, yeah no exactly um uh, another one that's quite interesting is we've been saying that schools are more than exam factories Mm. and we've had management tell us the core business of school is getting an education but education they mean is uh passing exams but we know the school is more valuable than that the school is a place where for some kids it's the only stability they get in life for some kids it's the only place where they can eat properly for some kids it's the only thing that makes life worth living because they see their friends and do cool stuff like you know again coming out of this the other side of it we've got to be pushing and saying look this school reflects the community that's what it's about that's what it is like my school where most of the kids are bussed in they can't get into school because they come from miles away why do they come from miles away well because um they push and push and push to go to certain schools well if schools were more about the community rather than like um people redrawing catchment areas to get certain kids in and other kids out then yeah i don't know we've just been vindicated on so much in the last thing and also the idea that um teachers lsas we're the backbone of society um the cleaners people yeah the, as you said Lee, the caring professions we're not just the people that keep society going we are society and the um the businesses and the banks and all that stuff is completely pointless and society can go on without it but society can't continue without people making and distributing food 
or uh, clearing bins or caring for people who are ill or driving things around like these are the most important things um, going forward and like yeah like I say when this blows over if it blows over whatever that looks like there's going to be a lot of people like you're saying really angry and it's going to be sort of unprecedented isn't it? it's like sometimes you might have teachers on strike about pensions and other people on strike about this and other people on strike about this but we're going to have a moment where literally everyone is going to be looking for a new job or getting back into their job why would you accept the same shit conditions you had before mm. literally why everyone is going to be saying no i'm literally not going to take a zero hours contract mate i remember how bad that went last time and actually the next crisis climate system breakdown it's going to be like this but with no food and more refugees so it like yeah we have to use this opportunity go on charlie, go on, charlie. i think you're absolutely right um i think to look back on some of the points you made a bit earlier on um about you know the fact that oh we'll see it now um because it's made so obvious to us i think yeah i we thought we've thought that like so many times though that yes now this is the crisis where everyone realizes that actually none of it works but they always find a way to play us they always find a way to go oh yeah yeah yeah. but actually we put all that money in um actually just because oh it had to be done it had to be done like it's not the same as the money jeremy corbyn was offering it's it's better yeah. money it's more sensible money like and and people just swallow it up because they they want to think that um the plan that labor had for putting money in was just impossible and just ridiculous and so if anyone gives them any out to believe that this money is somehow different money even though the you know the spending plan for labor party as we've talked about in previous episodes was one that really really tried in its in the best way possible to distribute the costs in a way that most benefit society basically so the people couldn't most afford or the businesses that may afford blah 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 so that's one point obviously i think yeah i think most of that speaks for itself but yeah i don't know i just think that yeah so many things people are going to continue to get fooled and like with the zero hours contract you're absolutely right but even at the crunch will they fight for it how like getting so so then that comes on to the union questions i'm going to throw it back like how how to how do we achieve that how do we make them fight yeah people do love the taste of boots um we know this um but also for a lot of people the the difference between corbyn being in and not for middle class comfortable people they weren't going to lose out by corbyn not getting in um what the reason why i think and the same with the financial crisis a lot of people's lives were completely unaffected if you weren't following the news you wouldn't have really noticed it that much i think for a lot of people really not directly this is going to be very very different very different and over the next two weeks we're going to see what the death toll is going to be and there's going to be a significant significant amount of people who know someone who dies there's going to be people if there's anything like italy as i said on navara media um from their quarantine episode um there's going to be a situation where we're going to see dead bodies in military trucks driving past and yeah it's going to be a bit like that tv show years and years um but not as funny and uh, and clever um but yeah so I, I don't know what we do but we you know we're all sat we don't have to go to work i don't have to iron any shirts for the next uh, six months till this plays out so um i've got we've got a bit of time we just need to get good at using zoom and get a bit better at using skype and try and maintain a level of political um uh, political activism and political optimism really 
um, and trying to build the communities. I think, you know, the other thing that came out of the election was we were like, okay, Labour lost because we were um, flying uh, hundreds of activists into these areas. But that means we've already lost because we, it shows we don't have the community networks in those areas. Well, and then we said, okay, well, what we need to do to win is we need to build labour in the communities. Well, shit. Well, already we've got like hundreds of these like COVID-19 um, mutual community mutual aid groups that have appeared out of nowhere. Um, the, and like in a, in a different way, the the, French, the whole French gilet jaune, yellow jackets thing, that started with these les groupes colères, which were like angry groups, um, you know, local Facebook groups. And so there's some nasty stuff on those groups. But, you know, there is power there when communities actually start working together, when neighbours start working together and looking out for each other. And as long as there's some like leadership from the unions, um, ACORN, the community union, has been doing some amazing stuff in Bristol trying to try this stuff together. You know, Momentum momentum's been feeling a little bit lost and a little bit weird kind of thinking oh what do we do if uh becky long bailey doesn't get in well momentum can step up um and fill this you know a lot of the councils again we're talking about local councils uh labor needs to do successfully in local councils well labor kind of runs most of the big cities if the labor councils can effectively mobilize people and they are doing that with volunteer networks again that's a really good opportunity for us to um build and show that we are the solution and, and to help and make a tangible difference to people's lives. Anyone else? Yeah, I just I can I I just think three things have come out of everything that everyone said that I think is going to be really important, um, like bigger picture wise, um, sort of the the boldness of the union, um, teachers feeling empowered in in terms of autonomy. So not just in terms of how what they teach, but also uh, the voice to sort of say this isn't right and I, I deserve better which again links entirely to the union I think because we're going to have to get more people to autonomously realise that the union is is something they need to be a part of and hopefully this will do that um, and the third thing I think we really need to have on side which you know which we haven't got yet um, even when we even when we were th- sort of thinking about the information that was coming out about COVID-19, the drip drip sort of idea that we were following the science and then the science changed and then we were following new sciences. It's like having a media that tells, tells something um, in the, in the way that it should be told. So I think there's three things that we're going to need to have um, influence over or have sort of like right in terms of, um, you know, change if if we want to actually see change but yeah that's just my sort of takeaway from what everyone said i think right i think we need to um think about wrapping up at the moment um we could try and do an outstanding has anyone um was anyone do a shout out for like any particular individual or group who like is already doing like amazing things uh, in this crisis i'll just shout out for kind of education workers in general really i think i saw it in i i left early i felt that was the right decision to make in the interests of public health and interests of uh, kind of me and uh, my household and my family um but just to see education workers just kind of stepping in and doing what had to be done what must be done because there was literally no other choice 
um, was quite inspiring. But I think to go back to Andrew's point, I think the takeaway from that is in that final week, we were cannon fodder and I'm still incredibly angry thinking about what we have been put through by this government. I think we need to keep hold of that and we need to channel it productively, but we can never forget, uh, never for once forget that. So my outstanding is to education workers, as it always is. All right. Um, I I want to give credit where credit's due. Um, whilst I uh, had to self-isolate from Thursday, um, there has been uh, a fellow union of teachers, uh, the individual reps and the regional rep uh, of whom, uh, I'll just come out and say it, it's, it's the NAS. Uh, what? <laughs> I know, I know. And this is the world well, really has changed. This the is, world well, has changed. Come on, <laughs> let's, let's, let's be fair to, fair to fellow unionists, right? Because they have come in for some stick on this show. Uh, whilst I had to self-isolate because I was, uh, my health was in precipitous decline. Uh, again, I don't think I have Corona, but I was probably having some kind of stress-induced breakdown. Um, whilst I was away, uh, my other union reps at the school have just come back at management strong, made reasonable arguments, uh, put the pressure on them. And whilst this show has been recording, I've received an update that although they will gather all the staff once on Monday, the plan is now to send as many people home as possible once demand from the key workers children has been gauged so i'm just saying union power is already affecting the situation we have to be in those conversations that's the message we want to send out to our listeners um so um, hey let's bring it back to outstanding my fellow reps at my school not going to disclose which uh they're doing outstanding work uh because i can't be there in those meetings so i just want to pay credit where credit's due to other people fighting the good fight Thank you. My outstanding is sort of obvious, uh, but it's to all the NHS workers, um, all the cleaners in the hospitals, uh, all the bin men, uh, all the dinner ladies in the schools, like the people who, uh, yeah, depending on what kind of person you are, you might ignore these kind of people. Um, you know, sometimes professional people don't actually have a great, um, I don't know, don't perhaps give that much time or that much thought to those people that actually keep the nuts and bolts of everything going. Um, but from what I've heard, these people are doing the same kind of double shifts as the doctors, um, really stepping up, doing dangerous work, you know, like getting rid of getting rid of bins uh, in a hospital where there's not enough protective equipment. Dealing with that stuff is a difficult job. Cleaning a hospital so that these tiny little invisible virus bastards are not there, that is a difficult and skilled job. It's a skilled job to do it. I can't do it. I can barely clean my own house. Um, but um, yeah, so a big shout out to the kind of cleaners and bin men that keep things going. Big shout out to the dinner ladies and, ev- and everyone, all the catering workers that keep everyone fed. Um, and also a massive shout out to the doctors um, and nurses and everyone like that. Um, I guess my standing is to everyone that's um, been really quite mentally strong and and done what what was right for them and their families and their friends and just self-isolated or socially distanced when everything about their lives was sort of telling them that they needed to go to work because I think that's the reality we're in where lots of people can't, you know, they pragmatically they can't afford to do this but you know they've just had the strength and the kind of foresight to realize that that's um that's not tenable so all those people and i guess like part of that is all those people that have set up mutual aid groups like bristol's been seemingly pretty great for it so i think they're just great you know some really good people out there um 
trying to to do things in the name of community which is which is one really nice thing to come out of this do we have charlie you do but i have missed what you've just been saying for maybe the past 10 minutes or Uh, don't worry about it we've just done some outstanding bits but i think we've got enough i think we've got enough bits it's fine well do you have one (laughs) or do you have an outstanding i really don't be able to say that's fine i mean I guess, yeah, I've missed... Yeah, this isn't education-based, but yeah, I think I just caught the end of what um, Anna was saying about mutual aid. Just, yeah, I think it's amazing seeing what everyone's been doing. I started a WhatsApp group for the people on my street. It's really lovely to see just people just being keen to, to help each other out. Well, I think, yes, yeah, not education-based, because I say I've been not at school for the past week, but still, uh, I think, yeah, it's great to see. Right, we're going to wrap up there. We're going to go back to um, gardening and playing computer games. Can, can I just say we lost what? Lauren about forty minutes ago, so she's uh, she was here in spirit the whole way through. We were also right about free fucking broadband. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> fucking hell. Yeah. Um, right. So uh, you have been listening to requires improvement i've been your host nick i've been joined by anu oh sorry bye (laughs) and tom stay safe out there it's been a long week it's been a long week uh and lee uh yeah stay safe everyone and lauren is not here but we'll put a voice in bye everyone And, (laughs) and charlie stay safe thanks for listening if you've been listening to us on soundcloud then uh why not follow us on spotify or itunes or your favorite podcast app uh and if you've got the ability to uh rate us give us a star rating that'd be amazing um if you've got any comments or you want to talk to us or you should just follow us on twitter anyway to be honest uh follow us on twitter which is at requires pod um and share with your mates any education professionals any left-wing people that'd be amazing um look after yourselves goodbye